Thanks for subscribing to the One Cause Podcast. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. So we believe that the more you hear these truths, the more they will benefit your life. Remember, all it takes is believing it. If you're taking notes, this message is called The Power of a Promise. The Power of a Promise. We got a lot of peas today. <clears throat> Anybody like frozen peas? No? Hmm, that's okay. <clears throat> Last week was a really unusual week for us because we had, our, we had all three of our kids with us at night in our house. And, you know, most of our kids drive now, so they're gone doing stuff all the time, either working or hanging out with friends or whatever they're doing. And uh, so it was interesting to, to have that night alone with our family. And so we took advantage of that, and we watched Christmas Vacation. Don't judge me. I think it's a hilarious, and hilarious movie. I love that movie. Um, and so it was, it was a great, <laughs> it's a great picture of somebody arriving unexpectedly. I'll just say that. It's a great picture of an unexpected arrival. And, and, uh, and so I started thinking about just the fun that we had watching that movie, but how, you know, that brings anxiety and tension and a lot of emotions with it. And what's amazing is this time of year is a perfectly expected arrival. This is what we're celebrating. A perfectly expected arrival of Jesus, our Savior. And so we're going to talk this morning about the power of a promise. And uh, <clears throat> those of you that are watching online, welcome. And listening to the podcast, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Those of you that are in this house, thank you for being with us. And so... With that, I think it's important right now at this time when, when we celebrate the birth of Christ, it's important for us as believers, it's important for you to remember all of the things that Jesus delivered to you just because he showed up, just because he arrived on the scene, just because he became flesh and dwelt among us, there were promises that we saw People saw in action <clears throat> in their lives. Now, my notes, I made really bold letters around this. So it must have been important. But I, I, I think it's, 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 it's easy to say that this was a predetermined, right, planned by God, predetermined, personal, planned, profound impact on your life. This is what this promise does. This is what these promises that we're going to talk about do for you. And we're going to be looking in and out of the Gospel of Luke this morning, and as well as a little bit of the Old Testament, because the Old Testament gives us a glimpse into what Jesus, what life would be when Jesus arrived, right? The Old Testament was written in a, in a way that it said, there will be one day this amazing life. Can you imagine living in that day? One day, things are going to be awesome. That's kind of what it was like in the Old Testament, because we're going to read in a moment, and, and if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. But <clears throat> they're living in a time, a day and age, where they know something's coming, but they don't really know when. And I believe they don't have a really, even though Scripture tells them, I don't, I don't believe people had a clue what was going to happen when Jesus arrived because he did things that religion said were not okay and changed lives by touch, by word, 
revolutionized history. So this Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, the very beginning of it, the author says he's speaking to a man, he's writing to a man named Theophilus, obviously a believer. And he says, listen, he, this is my paraphrase. He basically says, listen, I want you to know that I'm going to make this really nice chronological essay or writing because I want you to know that everything that you've heard about Jesus is true. And so I'm going to write this all out in this book just so you know all the things that happened. Just so you know all the things that Jesus did, the promises that he ushered in, the way he changed lives, he calls it an orderly account. And so a little bit after that, just a few verses after that, we see this, this story of where the, the priest Zacharias, who's John the Baptist's father, Elizabeth is, is his mother. John the Baptist is visited, excuse me, Zacharias is visited by, by the angel Gabriel and said, listen, you're gonna, your wife's going to have a son and he's going to open up the way for the Savior to come on the scene. That's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> and Zacharias does something interesting. He responds like a typical person. And he basically just says... Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm a little bit older. My wife's a little bit older. Are you sure you don't have me mixed up with somebody else? How many of you ever said, are you sure to God? And God's speaking to you about doing something or using you to say something. Are you sure, Lord? There's an amazing story that just Moses' life in the Old Testament that I identify with. Because Moses says, are you sure? Have you heard me speak? What are they going to say when I say God told me to come? So Zacharias basically says, he basically says, are you sure this is going to happen? Are you sure this is true? Are you sure this is what the way it's going to be? And the angel says, and listen, there's no condemnation here today. And this is, I'm not saying this is going to happen to you at all in any way. But the angel says, you know what? Just because you didn't believe, you're not going to speak. Until that baby's born. And, and as soon as that baby's born, he says, we named him John. That was, I had to get something out, right? He said, we named him John. And so the author of this book is just saying, I want to get all this straight because there's, there's purpose in this. In the delivery. There's purpose. There's power in the promises that Jesus is going to bring in. See, but before Luke chapter 2, when Jesus arrives on the scene, for thousands of years, people had heard or read about that day. And that day was when people saw the power of a promise. People saw with their own eyes the power of a promise. Because the earth changed. History changed. We read this morning, Jennifer and I, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, one of the most beautiful short passages about Jesus. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us, that's you and me, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And this is just one or two sentences written about Jesus. But there's so much promise here because if you translate those words from the original Hebrew that they were written in, they mean this. Wonderful means miracle. And we're standing for some people believing for miracles right now as we speak. Counselor means to advise or to resolve. So husbands, next time you get into a spat with your wife, put Jesus right in the middle and let him remind you that he is your resolve, that he's your advisor. And I bet all he'll say is, shh, stop talking. Mighty God means champion. How many of you have lived life trying to be your own champion, trying to make things happen on your own accord, trying to do everything in your own strength and realizing, I cannot do this. This promise that he is your champion, now you're linked up on the team with the undefeated king of the universe. Everlasting father means unending head of the family. That speaks legacy for generations to come. God's blessing is here because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do or don't do. And Prince of Peace simply means the head of safety and happiness. And these are great words because we can, we can connect with words like that. Those are promises for my life and your life. Those are words written about Jesus that are saying, hey, because he showed up on this earth, this is yours. This should be what you see about yourself. This should be what you feel about yourself. This should be a bit of a self-confidence boost. I'm I'm not talking about egotistical, puffy-headed. I'm talking about an attitude of thankfulness. Lord, you've made me this. I'm so thankful. I know the old me. I know the old me. None of you would have liked to hang out with me. None of you. Promise. Don't look at your neighbor. There's power in the promise. I want you to remember one thing today. One thing as we leave. I want you to remember that the realization of the promise removes the pressure from you. The realization of the promise removes the pressure off of your back, off of your shoulders. Because this transitions your life into something new. This transitions your life into the what if zone. Like what if? What if I get that job? What if things work out? But see, there's an interesting picture that the Bible paints between the Old Testament and the New Testament, obviously, because that's when Jesus arrives. But I want to read something that to me was very pointed in the scripture, and we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'll read a few verses. If you remember, chapter 17 is the point where David defeats Goliath, but 16 is when David is anointed king after Saul. And Samuel the prophet comes and says, and says some interesting things. In verse 1, he says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. Right? This is God speaking to him, telling him what to do. 
I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. This whole passage gives us an understanding of what man used to have to do. The things that men used to have to do to gain God's attention, to do what he wanted, to stay in good graces with God. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse, not Pastor Jesse, David's dad, just to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the, the, the one I named to you, right? So I want you to go there. I'll point him out to you. You anoint him king, and I'll tell you who it is. Fill your horn with oil. Make preparations. Don't you love that? Make preparations. Verse 4, so Samuel did what the Lord said. <clears throat> That's hard to do sometimes. And went to Bethlehem, and the elders, the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? Why did they say that? Because you really never knew what kind of mood God was in at this time. Because there was no mediator between God and man at this time. The man Christ Jesus. There was the Old Testament Lord and the absence of grace... The absence of an abounding grace, I'll say. So he says in verse 5, and he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Listen to these words, right? These are, these are words that should stick out to you because these are words that mankind had to drum up. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. I have come to do that. Sanctify yourselves. Are you getting this? You do everything you can do in your power. You make, you make yourself right and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Sacrifice, sanctification, consecration, anointing. I think about promises. I think about promises when she leaves town and I say, I'll have your house the same way when you left it as when you returned. And guys, you know how hard that is? Let me, let, me, let me ask you this morning, do you know, do you have a clue how hard that is? Because when she walks back in the door from wherever she goes, whether it's a trip or a, you know, an event or whatever, there are two ways this can go. It can be like, hey, babe, how are you? It's so good to see you. Most of the time she's just like, well, get aside, let me look around. I'm just kidding, she's not. But she could say, wow. I thought you said that this place would be clean. And I've been there before. Trust me, I've done that before. And I felt that shame and condemnation. Or she could open the door and say, wow, this place looks great. Thank you for doing that. But see, what, what the problem is that my, prom, my performance is based on the promise. Is that right? 
No, the promise is based on my performance. That's what I meant. Rewind. You remember uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Gene Wilder said, no, wait, stop, rewind. Sometimes my mind does that. The promise is based on my performance. So she either loves me or hates me in that situation with whatever she sees. That's a strong word. I, would, I wouldn't use that word. But what I want to tell you this morning is that it is not that way with Jesus. I want to tell you it's so much better. It's so different. It's so much more life-giving with Jesus because He is the promise. He's putting Himself behind those words, behind those, those things that we, we're going to read about in a second that are, yours to, that, that are supposed to be in action in your life. Listen to these three scriptures I want to read to you. Because, because when Christ arrived on the scene, everything changed. And listen to this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Remember in, in that passage in Samuel that they had to sacrifice, they had to be anointed, and they had to sanctify, and they consecrated. Remember all those things? They did that. Okay, the beauty of this New Testament promise that we see in our lives is that Jesus did all of that for us. We're no longer held to that standard. We don't have to live up to that expectation. Now listen, I, God wants us to live great and wonderful lives, but it's through faith in what He's made us and what He said about us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, but this man, capital M, after he had offered one sacrifice, one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Aren't you glad I, we don't have to, I don't have to say, hey, Stephen, open that door and grab whatever animals out there and bring it in. We're going we're gonna to do that right now. And, and if you do something wrong between when we do that now and when we do that again, all you're doing is remembering what you're trying to cover up. All you're doing is remembering that I have to do that again. I've got to go do that again. I've got to sacrifice. I messed up. I got to make it right. I got to make it right. I got to make it right. It's all on me. Folks, it is not. One sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. Listen to this. So he was the sacrifice. That word means offer to. Isn't it beautiful that Christ offered himself to God in exchange for us? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Now, capital H, he who establishes us with you in Christ. So he's speaking to the church at Corinth and saying, hey, listen, Jesus is making us in this fellowship. We're part of this family because of Jesus. And has anointed us. He that has anointed us is God. It's not, the, it's not the pastor anointing you. It's God that's anointed you. It's God that's made the difference. It's God that's changed the landscape. It's God that's changed the equation. Because now... There is a mediator between God. And he who establishes with you in Christ has anointed us. He is God who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That's good news. 
And one final scripture, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. And this one makes it personal. But I don't know what you came in here with this morning. I don't know what you came in here on your mind. The struggles, the, the weight, the thoughts, maybe the anxiety, the depression. Maybe the self-condemnation. Not living up to expectation. This says, both capital H, He who sanctifies... And those who are being sanctified are all of one. <clears throat> and here's where it becomes personal. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. If that doesn't say family, I don't know what does. He's not ashamed to call Pastor Alex brethren. He's not ashamed to call Anybody in this place, anybody watching online, anybody listening, part of the family. That's why he did this. That's why we celebrate right now, this time of year. L listen, I want to challenge you to continue this attitude of Thanksgiving. Last month, it was one of my favorite times of the year, Thanksgiving. But I want to challenge us as believers, as church, as family members, as people in the workforce to live this lifestyle of thanksgiving, because you see these promises. You see what's written about you. You see what is said about you. The word sacrifice means offer up to. Once for all, he offered himself up, so you no longer have to feel that kind of pressure. Anoint means make or declare sacred. Say, that's me. Is that hard to say? Someone hard to say, isn't it? That's me. Some of us are saying it in this room. Some of us are saying it with a question mark after it. That's me? That's me? That's what he says about me? That he's made me? He's declared me sacred? Do you know what I did last week? Do you know what I did last night? But he has declared me. It's not me that's doing anything. It's not the pressure on me. Listen, I mean, receiving God's love and what he says about you changes everything. <clears throat> but just staying in God's love, remaining there, abiding there, because I can say and do a lot of things, but if I'm not sitting in his love, I'm just saying and doing a lot of things. That's the difference. I hope that came out right. I try to choose my words wisely sometimes. He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that word sanctified means make pure, pure. You got to get that in you. You got to let that revolutionize how you think about yourself, how you see yourself. You got to say, you know what? Okay. 2022. This is the year I'm going to think differently about myself. Like, I'm, ch I'm challenging. Like, I say things about myself sometimes in joking ways that I sh probably shouldn't say. 
make pure. He did that for you. He did that for you. He changed the whole landscape of humanity, of history for you. Specifically made it personal because it says, he's not ashamed to call you brethren. He's not ashamed. Why Why would he be ashamed when he gave everything? That's a slap in the face, folks. To think that you're outside or you're you're not good enough when he says you are. And he gave up everything so you would know that. Listen, if you want to leave this place knowing anything today, know that you are living in a day and age where these promises are realized. These promises. And if you're not seeing these things in your life, believe. Start saying, you know what? I'm going to read this. I want to put people around me who are going to remind me who I am. And they're going to say, let me just remind you real quick that this says you're sanctified. This says you're set apart. This says you're consecrated. This says you're anointed. So quit talking about yourself like that. If he doesn't do it, why why don't we do it? If he doesn't beat you down, if he doesn't remind you about all the things you did wrong, why do you do that? That's not okay. You're living in a day and age where the word says, listen, and these are some of your promises that, and, and, and we're standing right now, that you are healed. Right? And so we're just believing for circumstance to change and situations to change and symptoms to leave. I mean, there are people in this church that are battling right now. We're lifting up people in prayer day by day, every day. And they have symptoms. And we're just believing God that, it, that it'll show what it says about them. It, shows, it says that we're provided for. It says that he wants us to live lives of abundance so that maybe we could do something else good with that abundance in our lives. And you're going to hear this every week. But you are loved cherished, and cared about. No matter what you do, David Garner. Listen, some of us, the bone density in our heads, and I'm talking to myself, is thicker than others. And so things don't quite get in there as easily as they do for my beautiful wife, my beautiful daughter, So we have to keep reminding ourselves. We have to keep being in community with one another. We have to keep seeing each other. We have to keep reminding each other, you are loved. You are valued. You are so cherished by God. We're going to, in just a moment, have, have some time where where we want to agree with you in prayer. And we're going to have some people down at the front in a moment. But I believe that, <clears throat> that there's so much power in a promise. There's so much power in this promise. And, and that this promise is specifically for you in a personal way. I believe that, that I, I truly believe that you can walk out of this place different than you came in today. Every single time we walk in, every single time we're in God's presence, every single time we're reminded about how much he loves us, we are changed 
But also this morning, I feel like I feel like maybe there are some people listening that <clears throat> that need to be reminded how much God cares for you, how much He loves you, and 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 I want to make the invitation in a moment. <clears throat> For, you know, any of you that would like to receive prayer, of course, to come down front. But, but as we're sitting in this in this attitude, I just want you to. I just want you to close your eyes with me just, just for a moment. And I'm going to pray for you this morning. This is this time of year. It's it's easy for us to. Celebrate. It's easy for us to get together with loved ones. It's easier for us to sing. And that, and that is a beautiful moment. And, and it's a wonderful time of year. But I, but I also want us to consider that this promise has changed our lives for eternity. It has changed our lives from this day going forward for as long as we are on this earth and after our time here is done, this promise has changed us. And at the end of the day, this promise is rooted in love. The Bible says that God is love. Not that he first loved us. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. It's not, about, it's not all about what I do for him. It's, a, it's about the fact that I receive what he did for me. And this morning, if you, if maybe you have difficulty seeing God like that. Maybe you have difficulty with the way you were raised. Maybe you were raised in a church that didn't really focus on the love of God, or maybe you were not raised in a church at all. And I want to say to you this morning that you're in the right place, that God loves you so much that he gave everything for you. He gave up his only begotten son. He was the firstborn among many brethren. He did that in faith, believing that one day you would say yes. Believing that one day you'd say, you know what? I'm tired of all this. I need something new. I need something fresh. And I hear God's love speaking to me. And if you're here this morning, you've never said yes I'm tired of all the pressure falling on me, and I trust that Jesus' sacrifice was for me. I trust I make him king of my heart and Lord of my life. If you've never said that, today's your day. You can slip your hand up and let me pray for you while you're sitting here this morning. Or maybe, maybe you've said that before, but maybe you have felt distant, maybe you felt separated, maybe you felt like the things you've done have separated you from God. I think I was specifically sent this morning to remind you about God's love. And if that's you, if you, if you find it hard to remember what that's like, if you find it hard to see yourself in such a way that you are lovable, You can slip your hand up and I'll pray for you this morning. 
Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that, Father, your children are sitting in this place and watching today. That you've sent us this amazing reminder of of the power of a promise. And Lord, this, this morning we celebrate, this time of year we celebrate this promise. We celebrate this time of year because Jesus was born into this earth and he ushered in something totally new. But Lord, we remember this morning that it is all about him. We shift our thinking away from pressure on ourselves, away from performance on ourselves, away from shortcoming, away from falling short of expectations, and we shift into being loved by God and being lovable because He made you lovable. He made you able to be loved. Before Jesus, it was you who had to gain God's attention. It was you who had to do. It was you who had to make it right. And now, God, this morning we sit. We sit at your feet. And we say thank you for loving us. Thank you for sharing your son with us. Lord, those that are sitting in this place this morning that are dealing with Thoughts that are plaguing them, dark thoughts, anxiety, depression, sadness, Lord, loss. Right now, in Jesus' name, I speak life. I speak peace, the mind of Christ. Lord, that fog would be lifted. That the sun would come out in the landscapes of their minds. That they would see, that they would see a light at the end of the tunnel. Lord, that they would see tomorrow as a better day. And God, that your goodness would track them down. Lord, you will find a way. Put people in their paths to remind them who they are. And Lord, for those of us that are sitting in this place, today together as family. Lord, let us be the difference in someone's life. Let us be the one who reminds someone else that they are loved, that they're cherished, that they are valued, that they are esteemed highly because of what Jesus did for them. Lord, let us be the difference in someone's life because Jesus was the difference in ours. Thank you for your promise to us of eternal life and your will being done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Enjoying the podcast? If you want more, you can always visit One Cause Church on YouTube and Facebook to watch full services. 